Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ole Miss had six first-half possessions. One of their possessions went 59 yards. The others combined gained 20. I mean, they, they were just not going. And the real surprise of the game for me, watching and just getting prepared to watch Alabama in person, is Brian Robinson, who's back healthy at running back. And that's what that, – there's where the real dominance came in, in this game. Ole Miss had 34 carries for 78 yards. Alabama had 50 for 210. So for all yeah, the highlight no real throws and for, for Bryce Young, I mean, Alabama just played their game, and they took advantage of everything that Ole Miss gave them. I, I'm, I marvel at, at Bryce Young and his ability to throw the ball, and it reminds me so much uh, of Tua, where you look at those guys physically, their stature, and it defies what you, your expectation would be for guys that size in the way they can throw it, the arm angles, just how talented they are, with the ability to pass from the different uh, on the move, different ways from the pocket, I always thought the same thing about Tua, where it almost looked odd at times the way he was getting the ball to receivers, just right on the money. I feel the same way about Bryce Young, and look, we compare that also now with what was just an absolute bloodbath with Georgia and Arkansas. Oh, yeah, I mean Georgia's defense. It, it, I know we're just halfway through the season or right around that point right now. This is when you look at the offenses of 2021 and what this defense is doing. They've given up one touchdown, one rushing touchdown all year. They've so played three SEC teams so far. They've shut out two of them. And, and granted, I understand Vandy was one of them. They're an SEC. They're, they Arkansas, count. Yes, but Arkansas, this is my point, Arkansas, they beat Texas. They beat Texas A&M. And they look like an FCS opponent against Georgia on offense. It is... Watching that defense is so different because of the way college football is played today. I marvel at how dominating that defense has been. This is, they are on track to be one of, you could go back to, you know, pre-World War II and look at, uh, Tennessee had a defense that was uh, unbeaten and unscored upon an entire year. There were a lot of games like that then. When you look at football in 2021 and the offensive numbers being put up and then look at what Georgia's doing, they're on pace to be one of the best defenses of all time. I don't know what Kiffin sounded like after after his game. I, I did see and read through what Pittman sounded like after his game, and I, I mean, I like what he said. You know, we're just not in their ballpark. They they were way more physical than we are. It was just like nothing we we'd seen, and we got a long way to go. Beat them at their own game. I mean, they, they only had to throw the football eleven times. They That's won thirty-seven to nothing. That's crazy. I mean, Stetson Bennett's their quarterback. Uh, JT Daniels, a five-star guy who was a Heisman hopeful coming into the year, does not play, and the chatter before the game is, boy, you know, that 18-and-a-half now looks pretty good. If you get Arkansas on that plus 18-and-a-half, looks pretty good. They go out there with a certified game manager at quarterback, and that's what Stetson Bennett is. I know Kirby Smart loves him. 
loves his moxie with that team, everything else. He is a game manager. He is out there to not get them beat, and that's it. And they go out and methodically beat a legitimate top 10 team. And this is total respect for Arkansas. They are a legit top 10 team based on performance this year. And they mauled them with a game manager at quarterback and completely stuffed them with anything they wanted to do offensively. I was very impressed with both. Well, and K.J. Jefferson did not look healthy. You know, he had the bruised knee all week. He had five yards rushing. And looking at the numbers, 70 yards of total offense. And he's their most dangerous, potent threat on the ground at quarterback. Just had nothing nothing for that Georgia defense. And, and many offenses are not going to. That, that's why, I, I mean, Chad, you were, were in Gainesville or here in Nashville. We had the discussion about the unbeatens in the SEC. We're going to have two of them. They'll meet in Atlanta December the 4th, and then we will see them play again for the championship. I think it's – I've never been more certain about something through five games of a college football season than that fact happening. Those two teams will not lose. They will play in Atlanta – it is going to be a massive amount of hype around that game. One team will lose and still advance to the Final Four, and then they will play again for a national championship. That, that's the way this thing is setting up. Will you match your tweet for that national championship game? That's the big question. <laughs> oh, the, I, another frameable. A lot of time. I need to, to, to you know, that, that tweet Study, went viral prepare. because the sorority community picked it up and started retweeting it, and suddenly it became a viral sensation. I'm going to have to... Maybe poll Ellie Sylvia, who was recently a sorority girl at Ole Miss, or maybe she wasn't. But I'm gonna have to find out, you know, what what's hot right now, prep. what's trending. You've got months. What's trending with the young people out there, and I'll I'll devise a tweet to have something ready. Coming up, Brady's return to Foxborough in winning fashion, record-setting fashion. But we knew that. Uh, also, great Aurora, Aurora Nutriscience, the vitamin packs. I grab these, grab and go in the morning. Vitamin C, glutathione, vitamin D3. You can as well. Easy grab and go for the day. They taste great. Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience. A trusted partner that keeps Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. You're seeing vitalifescience.com. This is where you can go for more information. Our Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% off discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills and capsules are not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. But your digestive system breaks these down until those pills are not left for your benefit. And here's Aurora, unique, absorbable, cutting-edge nutritional supplements that get into your system and stay there. That's why you need to try VitaLifeScience.com. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360. Vita, V-I-D-A, LifeScience.com. Code OUTKICK360 for 15% off. Follow the show on Twitter at Outkick360 and across the Outkick network. We say hello to Florence, Alabama, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Huntsville. Shout out to those uh, great people there. Um, and we certainly appreciate you listening. And if you're listening to Knoxville, Fox Sports, Knoxville, and beyond, you can join us on the podcast channels as where well, wherever you download your podcast, you can find and search out Outkick360. We'll get back to SEC discussion uh, coming up later in the show. A lot to discuss across the top 25 college football that we uh, took in over the weekend. Plenty of NFL news and notes as well. Starting with last night in Foxborough, rainy conditions. Uh, Brady sets the record in a, a, on a weird play where no one's really sure if that was the record setter or not. But he goes to Foxborough and wins in what was a tight game against the New England Patriots. 
Fun atmosphere all around, though, uh, taking that game in. Did it live up to expectation? Probably not. Um, but this was a, a game where you, you look back and you remember where the greatest went back and played his former team, and we saw the two-second hug between him and Ben Belichick that will be replayed over and over uh, until the end of time. Well, I think the most important thing about the two-second hug is that <clears throat> multiple reports say they had a 15-minute conversation in, in a private place in the Bucks locker room after after the game that'll get lost because the video is of the two-second hug yeah. but the two-second hug might have been hey i'll find you in the locker room and it's it you know there's room to kind of think that maybe that conversation was the closure conversation that they never had at the end of of uh, the new england tenure or whatever but there's some mystery there and it, it hasn't all been public there so always know, will be what we yeah. know publicly uh, and what's been reported is about some of the strain between them. But we don't know or, or about the private moments that they had and that they're allowed to have and that they're allowed to not share. And so, you know, I, I don't know. I was thinking this morning, you know, I like to think that they, you know, have come to a mutual understanding. Hey, it was hard for me sometimes. It was hard for you sometimes. We're going to have disagreements over 20 years. But it came out pretty damn well. And good luck to you and good luck to you. And I'm glad to see you're doing well and – that was fun. Can we get a former Patriot player to interview Bill Belichick before or after every game? Because he was so much better with Rodney Harrison pregame. I was shocked. He was in a good mood. He was, hey, hey Rod, yeah, that's you know, good question. And he was talking about the team. And I mean, it was he didn't get all lovey-dovey about Tom Brady or anything. He talked about the game, but he wasn't monosyllabic. He was giving answers. He was in a good mood. And they kind of joked when they went back to Tariqo, like, man, Rodney Harrison could really pull some good things out of his, his former coach and Bill Belichick. I watch that and I think, can you just get, can every network get a former Patriot that Belichick likes and respects? You got Bruce Or a former ESPN, coach and, and got... just have someone there to talk to him about it and how much better the press conference would be. Look, I was more, and I said it last week, I was way more into what the, the production would look like from a broadcast standpoint for NBC and the resources they put into it. And it was very much a... Super Bowl-level pregame show on Football Night in America leading into the broadcast. I thought they did an exceptional job. Given the, the, the elements with the rain, I also laughed that Rodney Harrison was the only one who had an umbrella holder on the side, if you notice. Everyone else held their own umbrella except for Rodney Harrison who had someone holding the umbrella for him. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, I thought it was, you know, the drama of it was great. Uh, Brady never really got emotional, which does not surprise me because the guy's a cold-blooded killer in every way, even after the game when he was being very pleasant with Michelle Tafoya, he was talking a lot about the game. He never let his emotions get to him. Um, it was just another game for him. And that's, look, this is the beauty we laugh about, you know, that we're on to Cincinnati and, and the way they, they do things with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, but this is part of it. I mean, we all got to witness that, that process last night, that this was very much one of 17 games for these men, and certainly they're going to look back and see that it was special. In a lot of ways, Tom Brady thanked the fans for the great ovation, but there wasn't some big hubbub going with it with him going out to midfield and you know taking his helmet off and bowing to the crowd or anything. It, that's just not how these guys operate in a competitive situation, and that's part of their greatness. I think there were 505 media credentials issued, and half of them were to NBC. 
So that roughly half of them, that was, uh, you know, for Our the production. Armando Salguero got one of them. For from the Mount production uh, quality that you're talking about. And look, I can't remember where I read it this morning, but I think it was the proper characterization. He played a pretty safe game, knowing that what Belichick wants to prompt somebody to do is make the mistake that Russell Wilson made in the Super Bowl against Seattle, where Malcolm Butler had the interception. And this was that kind of game, particularly given the conditions where if Brady had made a mistake, he could have swayed the game in their favor. And they were awfully close. I mean, they they were a a field goal off an upright away from pulling off a big upset. Mac Jones rose to the occasion, played pretty solidly. What did he complete? 18, 19 18 in a row. row. 19 would have beaten Tom Brady's record. Yeah. So they, they, I mean, they certainly rose to the occasion, the Patriots. And Brady was certainly aware that he was going to have a, a, you know, never gone against a Belichick defense and there would be special stuff for him. Went, uh, Peter King wrote, you know, looked back at some games he and Clyde Christensen and Blaine Gabbert looked at, at some special occasion games against some special quarterbacks for what he'd done that kind of paid some dividends. But he played a rather conservative game in terms of making sure he didn't make that mistake. And, and I, I watched the, the vast majority of this game with Keith Bullock, former Titans linebacker, l- last night. And he was pointing out the post-snap adjustments and looks that Belichick was giving Brady. And it, he, it, Bullock said the one thing you, that you always concern yourself with against uh, Belichick, offense or defense, is he goes anti-keys. Meaning... You are keyed to a certain area of the field based on where your man is, right? Or you're looking for a certain look. And Belichick knows that based on his study of what you do and what your keys are. And so he will give you that look and then trick you into thinking you have read and prepared properly. And then you go right to where he wants you to go. And he said, Brady's not falling for it. Although, um, and KB mentioned this, and I'll see if you guys agree. He thought that Brady was so amped up that he was high on a lot of his throws early, uh, either behind the receiver. Like he was clearly feeling the moment in that first half, where, and then things settled in as the game went on. Yeah, I think that's I, I true. thought the uh, where I, he got. I mean, he got away with. Uh, there was a couple high throws where, if they are, I don't know, um, if it's just a yard to the left or right, it's a it's a interception. Even on the first play of the game. I don't know what your. Uh, your favorite part of the game was watching it or the pregame or anything else. But my favorite part was the, not the, the video presentation that led to, and now here are the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then the ovation for Brady as he runs out. It was the pre pregame run out where the crowd mm. was almost already packed yeah. and he did his traditional sprint sprint. And then it, it was cool. It was really cool at the end of it when he gave the big fist bump and everyone went nuts <laughs> in New England, uh, even though he's in a Tampa Bay uniform. And I know people, uh, my sister's one of them. I saw on Facebook, it's like, you're not a real fan. You know, if you're cheering for the opposition at any point, you can love and respect Brady. You don't have to boo him, but stop with the cheers when the guy takes the field or does the fist bump. I thought in that moment it was really cool because it was a loud ovation that got a little bit loud, and then it was just a big emphatic exclamation point with the fist bump at the end of the run onto the field, and the crowd went crazy. I, I thought it was Really cool to watch. I thought Al Michaels summed it up well at the end of the broadcast where he said both guys in leading up to the game last night were having to live in the future, right? They, they were looking ahead to the week four matchup, all off season, 
the discussion and all the calls and all the, I mean, Brady filmed a commercial that aired during the game about him returning to Foxborough and all the Patriots fans and how they were going to treat him and if they would ever want him back. Um, that was all done in the offseason. And now that it's over and complete, they now get to live in the past, right? They don't have to worry about this and they just do their weekly regiment again, which is more normal and uh, how they like it, right? I There's not a lot of hoopla moving forward. No one's talking about the it, – it's going to be a great Sunday night football game next week, but we've been talking about this Sunday night football game for months. Since the, uh, since the schedule came out, and we knew it was going to be on the schedule. I think it was a pretty damn good result for New England. I mean, I was impressed with New England. I, I, I expected it to be a blowout. I didn't think New England would be able to slow them down. The Bucks, pretty damn good team, but they do give up a mm-hmm. lot of, of passing yards. And I thought, you know, there are such a such a thing as good losses for teams who are on their way up and climbing back up. And New England's been down for a year plus now, but now they've got together the group that they're going to kind of resurface with. And to be in that game and to hold them down in the teens – and to have a field goal shot of winning it, I, I was pretty impressed with the way they played and with what they did. And I think it bodes well for where they might head now against teams that are not that good. I mean, the Bills maybe are that good. Miami's not that good. The Jets sure as hell aren't that good. The teams they're competing in that division with and, and other teams they're going to see in the, on the AFC schedule. I've got a much better feeling about that team than I did going into that game. I thought Mac Jones was terrific. You know, we mentioned that. Very efficient. Uh, he handled, he handled well. himself very well. He yeah. handled the moment well. He, it didn't look too big for him. I think it's very encouraging uh, for New England. Also, it's pretty cool that this was Al Michaels' 50th anniversary of his first ever NFL call. Yeah. It was last night. And in that moment, and then late in the game, I, Al Michaels, you know, his give a bleep meter, I'm sure at this point in his career, is pretty low. <laughs> um, but Chris Collinsworth, who's often – he, he's the guy that's way too lenient on players and officials at times and everyone and is overly praising everyone. That final drive where it was a very questionable pass interference call on Tampa Bay that helped set up New England for that field goal attempt, and they showed the replay, and Chris Collinsworth said, yeah, you know, just kind of ran into him, and the one guy knew where the ball was, the other guy didn't, and Al Michaels said something like, well, you left one thing out. It was a terrible call. Uh, that's that's what it was. We can go ahead and say it. That was a terrible call. And I'm thinking, you know, when you're Al Michaels, you get to do that and say that, even with the NFL being a part <laughs> of the reason you're making a paycheck to, to, to call those games. So, yeah, I thought all around the game itself wasn't what I expected because I was expecting more offense from, from Tampa Bay and a little bit more fireworks. But I thought the broadcast end of it was handled well, and it led to the drama that we wanted to see with – Either team having a chance to win in the last minute. Be interesting to see how it rates. Um, yeah, and thinking. if the rain and the lower score or anything had any any kind of bearing on it. Well, the close close the, score. The I close think score would, should would help. Be a benefit, but it wasn't the shoot. Uh, it wasn't Brady throw slinging it like a lot of people would have expected. And that's the to me that's the weather playing a huge factor in all of it, right? Yeah. Uh, so Tampa wins. They're now 3-1. and one. New England falls to 1-3. Uh, there are three teams in their division at 1-3 and three overall. By the way, next week's Sunday night football game, I, I mentioned that it's a really good game, but no one's talking about it yet. Bills-Chiefs in Kansas that's City. A, that's Sunday a night big football. game. 
but everyone had this game circled. That's what I mean by they're glad to have this one behind them because it's rare that you have a regular season game going into the game that you know is going to be of an historical impact and magnitude. And that's what we had Sunday night. And now you're back to that weekly regiment. Uh, Bucks go from here. Let me look at their quick schedule. Well, that and this is another example also of the NFL just always they host the Dolphins always coming through. You get this huge audience, so many eyeballs. You get a huge audience every Sunday night, but all the eyeballs on Brady's return, and then you get to start to put the promos out for. Right. Oh, by the way, last year's AFC Championship game will be replayed next week. I hate these back-to-back cross conference, like they play New England and then they stay in the in the AFC East. Is it because is it the? It's almost like they're paired this year. A lot of yeah, teams are and is that because they're trying teams. to, with the extra week at the end, make sure that they get instead? You know, they always tried to end the season with the divisional matchup, right? Week seventeen, that way you have some type of playoff impact. Um, are they trying to double it up now, or sixteen, seventeen, or are those know. type games? I I haven't looked that closely at week sixteen, and look, some of those come off great, but some of them. Are meaningless. Like, like if you hit the right pairing, you know, you have Titans-Colts sometimes, and that means something. But Houston-Jacksonville is a wash in that scenario. So I don't, I don't think it's worked out so, so perfectly. I just uh, – I got a lot of issues with the way the schedule's put together. Um, my big winners yesterday, two teams in particular. First, the Arizona Cardinals. I uh, went two, for two, two of four on my upset picks in the NFL. This was one of them. Uh, they win for the first time in nine games against the L.A. Rams. It's a big result. They are the top team in the league right now. There, there is no ifs, ands, or buts about it with the way Kyler Murray is playing through the first month of the season. He's on fire. Uh, they got some great stops against Matthew Stafford yesterday. Cardinals go on the road and win a big divisional matchup to stay unbeaten. We find out about the Raiders tonight, if the big Raiders stay unbeaten against the Chargers. So they could be the other 4-0 team here. Uh, but the, the other team I thought that really proved a point was Dallas. Cowboys winning at home over the Carolina Panthers, and it really wasn't even that close. Final score is 36-28. But this was uh, Dak Prescott with four touchdown passes. Ezekiel Elliott ran for like 150 yards. Uh, they, they get uh, over 200 yards rushing total as a team. Um, they had 33-14 lead late in the third quarter. They're very good. Continue to pile it on. I don't think, going back to Arizona, I don't think America is talking enough about the Cardinals right now. And and this is what I hate. And this is a pet peeve of mine that I saw yesterday. Arizona handles the Rams. The Rams were everyone's darling coming into the season and then through three games, right? The reaction to that manhandling of the Rams you knew was automatically going to be, well, maybe the Rams are overrated. Maybe move Matthew away Stafford from the Rams. was who we thought they, that he was in, in Detroit, and we really overrated the Rams. Can we rush to say that we underrated the Cardinals? No. no they just the move off the Rams, then they go find somebody else like Dallas, I, but they don't move We didn't to underrate the them on this show. We didn't, no. but I would love for everyone out there that now loves the Rams. And I love the Rams. I love what I've seen so far And the from Rams them. will be fine. I like them in the offseason. But I hate the immediate rush, and this is not just a media thing. I, this is fans, everyone else. The immediate rush to, boy, the Rams are overrated. Well, maybe it's just the Cardinals were dramatically underrated by a majority of people. Me so, included. I, I was not. I know. I know. Hunt and I going to that first week were saying, we think the Cardinals will probably beat the Titans. I didn't think they were going to be this good. 
I didn't think they were going to do, going to annihilate the Titans. Hunt liked the, uh, the cards but, a lot. Man, this team is uh, incredible. Well, Cl- Cliff Kingsbury never had a four and zero start at Texas Tech, and he's now four and zero with the Arizona Cardinals. This the, is the key. The second act for Kingsbury is starting to work out pretty well with this team. This is the key for Arizona because they did a they they had a g- nice game plan for Cooper Cup, who uh, is terrific. a top player, and they they held him to five catches for 64 yards. I mean, they held him in check throughout the game. Um, Stafford was okay, nothing great. But here's, here's Arizona. Here's the key to their offense now. Can they sustain their run game the way they ran it on the Rams? Chase Edmonds had 120 yards rushing. Kyler Murray was excellent. He threw for 268 yards. He's the reason why they're 4-0. But can they add a wrinkle, which is that run game? It's a lot like Dallas. They can throw it or run it on you. Pick your poison. Uh, it's what we thought the Titans would be able to do. They can't. The, the Cardinals can, and they did it against a good defense in the Rams. Can they continue to build on that run game, which they haven't shown until yesterday? If they find a consistent run game to pair with what they're doing, um, this, this is a legitimate threat and a contender in Arizona. Everyone will be buying them. Yeah, I wasn't expecting much of they now Chase, host, Chase Edmonds. They now host um, the 49ers who are down Garoppolo and look a lot different when you watch Trey Lance in that offense compared to Garoppolo in that offense. I don't know. I, fe- I usually feel sympathetic for somebody that's going through what Garoppolo's going through, but at a certain point where it becomes predictable um, and the guy's kind of lamenting his own situation, then I lack that sympathy and I've kind of run out of it for Garoppolo. It's a calf let me, injury. Let me give you yeah. an early week prediction. And someone fell on us. Yeah. Think so. Let me give you an early week prediction for the 49ers this week. Trey Lance is going to look a heck of a lot better in this next game. Give Shanahan a week to prepare with him as the starting quarterback and what he's going to do with the offense and tweak it. I'm not saying they're going to beat the Cardinals, but I think the performance is a lot different for Trey Lance next week. There's a, there's a reason why they wanted to go with Lance in the draft, right? He's their future. There's also a reason why they kept Garoppolo around. Of course. And it's and because they, they're not Buffett. ready to go with the, the growing pains of a rookie quarterback just yet. That the, There was going to be the, the turning over of the, the new chapter at quarterback for San Francisco at some point this season. But the growing pains are happening early now because you've, you're now inserting the rookie. We don't know about Garoppolo's full status for week five. But the anticipation is with the calf injury, at best, what, questionable going into next week's game at Arizona, divisional matchup. If he plays, he's not 100%. If he doesn't play, they've got the rookie uh, with a week to prepare for the top team in the league. So we'll see. I'm with Chad. I believe in the coaching staff with Sam Fran, getting their quarterback ready. Um, Here's hoping, and I think we all agree, they will have him better prepared for his first quote-unquote start um, first starting appearance going into a weekly regiment in the NFL, more than Matt Nagy did for Justin Fields, who, hey, hey, credit to Matt Nagy. Bad, much week, better second week. You're a week late, but the game plan you had yesterday for Detroit is the game plan I thought you would go into with Cleveland. Hey, it looked up. vastly different. Quick throws, motions offensively, allowing Justin Fields to make one read and determine what he wanted to do with the football. That's what you should have done on the road in Cleveland. You did it at home yesterday. Congratulations, Matt Nagy. I was one for one on my upset pick. I, I've had a feeling about the Colts. I just uh, should have had the same feeling about the Jets, like time was up on the winless stretch and, uh, and Miami two weeks in a row with Brissett. I, I didn't have the feeling there. 
and the, the Colts found a way. And the Colts are beat up and, and not in good shape either. Uh, I didn't see a lot of it, to be honest with you, but uh, they, they are in a lot better shape at one and three than they could have been. Three teams got their first wins of the season yesterday. We'll dissect that a bit coming up. Also, more takeaways from the NFL Week 4 slate, including Green Bay. Uh, we'll look around the league. Seattle with a nice win as well. More on that. Plus, a big SEC weekend where Kentucky was able to prove a point despite not playing their best ball. What does that mean for the SEC East? That's all straight ahead on Outkick 360. Since 2015, all NFL teams in New York, in the state of New York, won a game on the same weekend. How crazy is that? What an unbelievable fact. 2015? Outkick 360 rolls on. Yeah, Buffalo wins. By the way, congrats to the Buffalo Bills for being a, a, among the best teams in the league and treating a terrible team the way you should. Yeah, 40 to nothing. 40 and, to nothing win. I mean, that, that's how you treat the bottom dwellers of the NFL, the way Buffalo did yesterday. I think they're you know, scared of Houston's defensive front and talking about it all week. No, they went out there and trounced them. Um, then I'm alluding to the Titans, who did the opposite to the Jets. Jets win at home over the Titans in overtime, and then the Giants go on the road and win at home, or excuse me, on the road in overtime against the Saints. Saints blew they up like 13 points in the second half, something like that, and um, ended up the Giants come back to tie it. Daniel Jones was phenomenal. Saquon Barkley uh, looked closer to himself in this game, and the Saints in their first game back home. Right, this yep. is their that true a, home opener. They played the one game in Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, that uh, they lose, and they're lumped right there with teams like the Titans, for instance, who think they're good but they're really not. And they have a lot of question marks going into the second quarter of the season after the first month that ends up 2-2. Two and two. The Bills, on the other hand, think they're good, play like they're good, and they beat bad teams. And they are, uh, in fact, and they good. Are, and they are, in fact, very good. I mean, I, the Bills are an elite team in the NFL. The Cardinals are an elite team in the NFL. The Titans, the Saints are nowhere near no. the elite in the NFL right now. They are very, very middle of the pack. Can, yeah, I completely agree with you. Josh Allen... Um, threw a pick on his first pass attempt against the Texans. They won 40 to nothing. Dawson Knox just destroyed Houston's defense. Meanwhile, the Brentwood Academy alum. Meanwhile, the Texans amassed 109 net yards. They had five drives of negative yardage against the Bills' defense. Houston. I mean, that is tough. I just, <laughs> that's tough to accomplish <laughs> uh, in today's football where the, the rules are set up for the offense to succeed. I know it was rainy. I know it was a bad weather day in, in Buffalo and in Orchard Park, I should say, but that's not good. Not good. And Paul, going back to the Giants Saints, Daniel Jones, it was an 11-point deficit in the fourth quarter for the Giants. They came back to tie it and then win in overtime against the Saints. Yeah, I, I wasn't buying the Saints. They got off to a nice, nice start there, but they've been more shaky than good, really. Um, and, you know, that's a bad loss. For the Saints. Not as bad as the Titans' loss uh, at, at MetLife Stadium, which we will uh, unpack in great detail, but that, that, that it's just not acceptable, and uh, it establishes what the Titans are, and what the Titans are is not very good. How are you feeling about that Titans Super Bowl prediction right Terrible. about now? <laughs> Terrible. Not I mean, as bad as I'm feeling about my Saints uh, playoff prediction right about um, now. Look, Chad, there's no way... No, they're not going to say this, and they're going to act like we're overplaying the loss. That, yesterday was a failure for week four for this team. 
Oh. Uh, based on true expectations and where this team should be with John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, yesterday was a failure. You go up there and you handle your business against the slop of the NFL, and that's what the Jets are. I mean, treat the Jets like they're at the bottom of the NFL instead of allowing them life and, and treating them like they're you know uh, a, a mid-tier opponent, which they're not. I mean, yeah, injuries or not, there are no excuses for losing to the worst teams in the league. And what were the big issues for this team coming into this season? Deep balls, uh, inability to pressure the pass or right tackle. And what are the big problems for this team right now? Deep balls, yeah. inability to pressure the passer, and right tackle. So what did they well, do? Uh, exactly? no, not just right tackle, left tackle. Yeah, well, right. But uh, if, if you're saying, uh, what did they fix exactly? Looks like they fixed nothing. Well, they have, more, they have more question marks now than what they tried to attempt to fix, given the salary cap restraints and, and everything and all the restrictions that they had. We, we thought they had done a nice job at doing that. Um, you know, all, all of their additions, I mean – yeah, Danico Autry's playing they, well. They drafted people. We can go in depth on this throughout the week. They drafted players at those positions you're mentioning, and those dudes aren't playing. And, well, and, and, and they signed people who aren't doing a hell of a lot. Well, they also have a leadership issue on this roster and, and with this team, and, and that's going to be addressed in the 4 o'clock hour also because Kevin Byer, who's a player that I respect and I typically like his mentality – don't go up at the podium after a game, and this was written at your site, Paul, and say, hey, just because you're 0-3 doesn't make you a bad team. Everyone remember Cincinnati a year ago? Yeah, that was a bad team too, and they proved that in every other game except against you. Right. Do not bring that up as the illustration of, oh, just because you're if, – if Cincinnati was 0-3 and went on to the playoffs after that, then I'd say, okay, maybe you have a point. These are really bad NFL teams. So you cannot deflect in that way. And when your supposed leader on defense is saying things like that, that permeates throughout a locker room. And there's a lot of, off the field just a lot of back padding going on. It's okay, buddy. It's only one game. Hey, this NFL, it's only one game. Well, and there's not enough pissed off people on that team. Well, there, there's a lot of, oh, it's just, you know, we didn't, we, didn't, uh, we didn't get touchdowns in the red zone. We'll get that corrected. They are far from getting things corrected. And we're missing a lot of key people. You know, the Jets were missing a lot of key people. The Jets, a bad roster, was missing a lot of key people. And they overcame it, found a way to win. We will uh, dissect that in an hour. The Tennessee Power Hour will include our full thoughts uh, and honest analysis of what happened yesterday uh, at uh, MetLife where the Jets win in overtime. Uh, Zach Wilson, we'll give him props too. Uh, he made four massive throws in this game, including one that was a, just a terrible pass interference. I don't know what Dane Crookshank is doing. Not even attempting to go for the ball, just looking up. like Standing there, and then when a guy bumps into him, it gives him, oh, look, give him a little shove. Yeah, uh, look, a lot to discuss with this game. We will in an hour. When we come back, SEC headlines from a big weekend of college football and top 25 opponents that fell from that top 25 ranking. That's all straight ahead on OutKick 360.